Hi, I'm Joseph Feraldi. I want to thank you for joining us here at Bayside Chapel Online. Our prayer is that today's service will be a blessing to you, that it will encourage you in your journey with Jesus Christ, and it will help you to see all that God has in store for you. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to bless you, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Just send us an email at amen at baysidechapel.org. Remember that you can stay in touch with us at any time. Just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to BaysideChapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. I will sing of the goodness of God, and that's uh, a lot of what Vision Sunday is about. For those of you who are joining us online this week, uh, we're sorry we missed you last week, but because of technical difficulties, we weren't able to do our streaming, but we're glad to be back online today. And uh, because, yeah, because we weren't able to be online, uh, we actually postponed what we were going to do last week to do it today so that we could include our online audience because that's about a, a third of uh, those who comprise Bayside Chapel these days. Uh, we're doing Vision Sunday today. We were going to do it last week, but uh, we postponed it till today. And Vision Sunday is that one day a year when we take a little time to rehearse what God has done and think a little bit about where God is taking us in the future. Uh, you should have received the annual report via email, and so many of you already have seen it. Uh, if you want to access it via your app, you can do that right now. The annual report is available right there in the app, and you can follow along or look through that. Uh, during our time together. And if you're just not uh, at all tech savvy and you don't have email or you don't have the app, you can always pick up the old-fashioned hard copy at one of the information centers on your way out. Have you ever had a time when you felt like you needed God's clear and un unmistakable guidance for your life? You know, maybe it had to do with a health concern and there were medical decisions that needed to be made and you just really felt like you needed God's direction for that? Could be that you were involved in a relocation, you know, maybe one property had sold and you were going to move to another part of the country and you were having a hard time finding a place to buy in, in, the, new, in the new place and, and you needed God's help in opening the right door to help you know where you should relocate. Maybe it had to do with a relationship and a decision you needed to make about whether you should stay in that relationship and try again or to get out of that relationship altogether. Maybe the decision that you were facing had to do with your job and whether you should stay in your job or go look for a new one. Or perhaps you're just moving into a new stage of life altogether and you're wondering what's next in this new stage of life that you're moving into. Today I'd like for us to consider a few verses of Scripture, one verse of Scripture in particular that I think speaks to that issue because though God may not always give us the answer we're looking for as quickly as we think he should, I've experienced the fact that God has never failed to provide the wisdom that I need when I need it. And so the verse of scripture we're looking at today is a verse that reminds us of what kind of God we have for those times when we most need his guidance for our lives. Psalm 32 is a psalm that was likely written by King David after his confession of his sin with Bathsheba. 
that sin that led to a cover-up that resulted in the death of Uriah the Hittite, Bathsheba's husband. So David is in deep in sin, and he has kept silent about that sin for a very long time. And Psalm 32 is the psalm that celebrates, finally, the, the gates breaking open and and his confession of sin and being restored to God and, and receiving God's forgiveness. And so David in this psalm celebrates uh, just the, the freedom and joy that he's experienced after confessing his sin and knowing that he's been restored to relationship with God. And he's encouraging his readers not to run from God at such times, but to seek him in prayer that everyone who does so will find God to be a refuge in a time of trouble and a very sure deliverer. But the important thing to remember is that David isn't out of the woods yet. He's going to experience some temporal consequences for his sin. Just because he's been forgiven by God doesn't mean there won't be any consequences. And the prophet Nathan has told him very clearly that the sword will never uh, be removed from his house. There's going to be violence within his own family. And, the, and his son, conceived with Bathsheba, will die. And so David is facing a very uncertain future in spite of the fact that he's feeling the flush of forgiveness and being restored to fellowship with God, he knows he's facing a very uncertain future. And it's right here in the middle of the psalm that the voice of God speaks to David and says, I, I will instruct you and, counsel, and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Now imagine that you're just coming off the most difficult year of your life the way David had. You say, well, that's not hard to imagine. <laughs> you know, the last year or so have been terrible. Well, you know, maybe it was a year when, frankly, you weren't particularly close to God. Maybe you were blaming him for the circumstances he allowed into your life, or maybe there was some sin in your life that, that you knew dishonored him, and for the better part of the year, you felt far from God, but you've recently come to your senses and you called out to God and, and you confessed your sin and you're feeling more spiritually alive than you have in a long time, but you barely know which way is up because there's still so much turmoil in your life. And then imagine that it's at that very point that the Lord himself speaks to you and says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. I want you to read that out loud with me. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. That's what kind of God we have. Our God delights in showing us the way to go. There are three verbs in, in this one verse, right? I will instruct you, I will teach you, I will counsel you. Now those three words all overlap in meaning, but basically what it comes down to is they're saying all together that God's not going to leave you guessing. He says to David and he says through David to us, I know the way you should go. Allow me to instruct you. Allow me to teach you where you should go from here. I will counsel you. I will advise you with my eye upon you. And that speaks of the intimacy of his care, that he's watching us. He knows where we're at. He knows what's going on. He knows where we need to go. He's going to offer course uh, corrections along the way. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you you. Our God delights in showing us the way to go. So whatever you've been going through the last year or two, however far you may have felt from God at times, 
Cry out to him. Come back to him. He can be counted on to show you the way to go from here. Let his word instruct you and teach you. Listen for his counsel. Oftentimes it will come from the godly people he has placed in your life. He has his eye upon you. He delights in showing us the way. Now you might say, well, that's very comforting and helpful for me individually, but what does any of this have to do with Vision Sunday at Bayside Chapel? Well, I think it's safe to say that as a church, we too have come through one of the hardest years in our history. Now, 2010 was undoubtedly harder, and those of you who were here at the time know what I mean by that. But 2020, 2021, I think has got to be next on the list. You know, COVID had us all shut down, and then we had to pivot hard to go online. And then we could meet in limited capacity, and finally only, you know, middle part of last year, we were able to open up fully, but many were not yet ready to return to in-person gatherings. And I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've wondered, God, why are you letting all this happen? I mean, we had such incredible momentum going into COVID, and then it's like, boom, you hit the brakes, and, and everything's up for grabs and so uncertain. And, and, you, and you wonder, where are you in this, God? And now things are beginning to return to normal, and there's more energy and joy and hope than we've had in a long time. But it's not entirely clear where we go from here, because COVID in some way has changed things forever. We've not only lost people that we love to the dreaded virus, but there's been a social upheaval, and we find ourselves ministering in a very different, very fractured culture today. Church leaders around the world are asking the question, how can we minister effectively in a post-pandemic world? In fact, the challenge seems so daunting that, some, uh, that Barna has reported that 38% of pastors in America have considered quitting in the last year. Well, thank God nobody's quit here. But we are asking the question, where do we go from here? I'm asking that question, but I'm not fretting over it. You know why? Because we have the kind of God who says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. We have the kind of God who says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given him. Our God delights in showing us the way to go. God is saying to us today, I'll show you where to go. I'll tell you what's next for you. Just ask. And I'm confident that if we ask God for his direction, he'll show us the way to go. Why? Because I'm confident that's what God's word tells us. And I'm confident because we've seen God do it before. How many of you were here in May of 2011 when I was being interviewed to become the pastor of Bayside Chapel? Yeah, there's still a few of you left and a whole lot more of you have come since. Uh, but that was a Saturday afternoon and it was right here in the auditorium and there's a whole bunch of people here asking questions for about two hours, I think, where it was just a Q&A where people could ask questions and I would do my best to answer them and you all trying to make up your mind, do we want this guy to be our pastor or not, you know? I think one of the best questions that was asked that day was the question, what's your vision for Bayside Chapel? And my answer was, I frankly don't know Bayside well enough yet to have a vision. But I'll tell you this, if you call me to be your pastor, we will prayerfully together discern the answer to the question, what would Bayside Chapel look like in 10 years if we really let God get hold of us? 
We'll put that question before the Lord. We'll discern that answer together. And you, you called me to be the pastor, and we began in the fall of that year to ask that question and to prayerfully put it before the Lord. And in a process of discernment that took about a year and a half, we uh, came up with a vision document called A Vision for Our Future that the membership approved in July of 2013. And in that vision document, we, uh, we listed our mission, our core values, and our vision. Now, our mission is our purpose for existence. It's what we're here to do. And we stated it this way. And by the way, if you've missed any of this, they're plastered on the walls of the West Wing. <laughs> you, you can't miss them, right? So we said our mission is to bring glory to God by leading people into fruitful relationships with Jesus Christ. It's just another way of saying, you know, just as Jesus said, go and make disciples. We said we want to lead people to faith in Christ and to lead them to live fruitful lives in Christ. And then we said that we have four core values, and the core values are, are non-negotiables. These are the things that we say are important to us in the accomplishment of that mission. We value the word of God because it is vital to a transformed life. We said we value fellowship, right, relationships that motivate us to maturity in Christ. We said we value putting people on mission to reach others for Christ, and we value prayer as an expression of our utter dependence on God. And then we stated a vision for the church. Now, a vision is a, a snapshot of, of, of a God-given preferred future. So it's a snapshot of what we believe uh, God would have us be and do uh, and in answer to the question, what would Bayside Chapel look like in 10 years if we really let God get hold of us, and we stated it this way. We said our vision is to be so transformed by Christ that he will send us to transform communities for Christ, starting with our own and then beyond. Our vision is to be so transformed by Christ that he will send us to transform communities for Christ. And in that 10-page vision document, we, we talked about, fleshed out how this vision could be realized in all the different ministry areas of the church. And we ended that vision document with two, two big initiatives, bold initiatives, we call them. Sometimes they're called big, hairy, audacious goals, BHAGs. And, and we said, what are, what are our bold, hairy, audacious goals? Well, we said, how about global partnerships and, and church planting? In global partnerships, we said we, we want to work intensively with ministry partners in one or two places in the world. While not neglecting the various missionaries we serve, we want to concentrate in a couple of places, investing personnel and resources to advance the gospel in those communities. And so we have worked with uh, ministry partners in Giurgiu, Romania, and the south of Romania, where uh, we have continued to, to pour in financial resources and to send teams almost annually until COVID hit. And, and uh, we went there to help strengthen the church and help them more effectively reach their community for Christ. In fact, we got a, an email just this morning from our friends in Romania saying uh, that they are poised to help with Ukrainian refugees coming over the border into Romania. They're sending, they're sending a team this week and uh, so they're, they're going to be sending a group of, of uh, adults and youth up to the border to help. And they, he said that already believers in, in Romania are doing a great job of receiving all these Ukrainians who are coming across the border. And, uh, and we're going to be considering how we can partner with them financially to help make all that happen. 
So global partnerships, including Georgia, Romania, and then uh, we worked with uh, Star of Poverty in Exuma, Bahamas, uh, working along with Ron Frazier and, and his ministry. Uh, and now, you know, that's kind of shifted to also include work locally with Star of Poverty and, and in uh, David, Kentucky. But uh, we've, we've been blessed as we together as a church have invested uh, more intensively in a couple of ministries and gone deeper with them. Now, then the other uh, bold initiative was church planting. And we said here that our vision is to establish a network of thriving churches up and down the Garden State Parkway corridor that share the DNA of Bayside Chapel and are strategically positioned to reach the communities they serve. And that led to the foundation of Wellspring Church in Toms River in 2017 under the leadership of Pastor Jason Koash. And then right smack in the middle of the pandemic, the launch of Proving Ground Church up in Lakehurst under the direction of Pastor Nick Dalio. And today we have a network of thriving churches collaborating. In fact, just a couple of weeks ago, the pastors of all three churches met for the purpose of talking through, now how are we going to plant the next church together? Uh, and uh, who, where, where should that be, and who should be the church planter? We don't have any answers to that yet, but we're collaborating uh, to, to plant additional churches up and down the Parkway Corridor. We uh, talked about other projects that we could collaborate on. Other projects that are probably too big for any one church to accomplish on their own, but together as, as a coalition of churches we could tackle. It's just been a blessing to see that come together. At staff meeting a week ago, we celebrated some of what God has been doing in the last 10 years since we adopted that vision statement. We talked about the investment of people and, and money that has resulted in two new churches, the completion of the West Wing in 2014, which is a huge blessing to us, the launch of a new ministry to people with disabilities that we've called Wonderfully Made, the launch of our online ministry that was forced upon us by COVID, but it's now enabling us to minister to people not only locally, but in other states around the country and even other countries around the world. Uh, we talked about the ways that we've been engaging our community in recent years uh, through the bas Thanksgiving basket outreach and backpack giveaways, uh, Night to Shine, participation in Barnegat communities that care, collaboration with Family Promise of Southern Ocean County, and, and very soon, uh, launching the Treehouse support groups for teens to serve teens in our community in a new way. I was at lunch with Pastor Jason Koash from Wellspring a couple of weeks ago. We were, we were sitting uh, at a restaurant table reminiscing about uh, what it was like 10 years ago when he was uh, the youth pastor and I was the brand new uh, senior pastor at Bayside and, and what a different time that was. And there was one day that we were having a discussion in staff meeting Somebody had, had brought the question that they'd read. Somebody said, this is a searching question every church should be asking. And the question was, if your church went out of business today, would the community even realize it tomorrow? If your church went out of business today, would anybody care about that tomorrow? And at that time, we weren't sure we knew the answer to that question. We felt that Bayside'ers would care, but would anybody outside of Bayside really care? Well, uh, as Jason and I were talking about that, I said, you know, even though we didn't know we could answer that question in the affirmative then, I'm pretty sure the answer would be yes today. The things have, have progressed and God has really moved in a powerful way. We're engaged in the community much more than we are. And, and just as I said that, a woman leaned across from another table and said, uh, excuse me, I couldn't help but overhear what you were talking about. 
And I've got to tell you, the answer to that question is yes, the community would miss Bayside if it went out of existence. She identified herself as a leader in the Barnegat school system, and she said, we count on Bayside for so much. Uh, you're an important resource to the whole community. And she said, uh, we're especially looking forward to the treehouse support groups for, for teens. We really, really need those for our kids who are struggling so much these days. And, and she said, in fact, I've talked to my own pastor frequently about Bayside Chapel and how you're engaged in the community and said, we should look at what they're doing to see how we could engage in our community too. And so it was just a blessing to hear that from somebody else, unsolicited. But, you know, it's not just about being engaged in the community for the sake of being engaged in the community. The best part of all is how God has used the life and witness of this church family in this community to bring many people to Christ and to transform lives. And, and the best part of the year, every year for me, is when we baptize people, right? We, we have the bay baptism where we sometimes baptize 20 or 30 or more people at a time. Uh, we had a backyard baptism this fall where 11 people were baptized, and, and sometimes we'll do baptisms right here in the auditorium. Last year, we baptized 44 people, and 54 people uh, in our worship services during the year indicated that they put their faith and trust in Christ as Savior. We, we, could, we could talk about so many other ways that God has blessed us in just the year gone by, and a lot of that's documented in the, uh, the annual report, how our vision, our, our children's ministries and youth ministries have come back good and strong uh, this year after COVID. Uh, we had vacation Bible school and Fall Fest again uh, since COVID started. And uh, Tiffany tells me that the volunteer base is getting healthy again, having been decimated by the COVID shutdowns. And not only that, but Pastor James will tell you that we've consistently operated in the black financially in recent years and finished 2021 with an over $170,000 surplus in the general fund budget. Now, that was due to several factors. One was that we spent less money than we anticipated, partly because of COVID delayed the start of certain programs, and so we didn't spend as much as we thought we might. Uh, but also the giving was above budget and we had significant savings in the contribution we were making to Proving Ground Church. We basically had committed to, to uh, pay Nick Dalio's salary for the year uh, as he started Proving Ground Church to help them get up and running. But we came to the middle part of the year and they said, we don't need you anymore. We're financially independent. We can do this on our own. And so we saved uh, significant funds that way. So with that surplus, we were able to do several really cool things. We put $50,000 against uh, the mortgage on this building, uh, extra payments uh, there. We uh, set aside some funds to keep on hand to help cash flow as we finished our remodeling project here. We were able to put significant funds into our uh, maintenance reserve to help with future uh, maintenance needs and, and improvements. Uh, we put, uh, I think it was $19,000 into the Special Missions Fund to help with special missions projects throughout the year. And, and uh, it was just great to be able to, to do those things because of the surplus. In fact, uh, because of the fact that we've been consistently paying down extra money on the mortgage here, uh, we were talking in Finance Committee meeting just a couple of weeks ago that it's possible that we could have the mortgage on this building completely paid off by the end of the year. Yeah. 
which would leave only the mortgage on the west wing and would give us uh, some significant breathing room to do other things in ministry. Uh, and on top of all that, in the middle of the pandemic, we've raised through Bayside 3.0 over $520,000 that helped to plant Proving Ground Church and soon we'll begin the remodeling of the auditorium. The first phase of that work will be done by Easter, which is the painting. And then after, uh, in late May, uh, the stage remodeling and installation of the new sound system should start. And then sometime after that, the new carpet will will be installed and this place will look a whole lot different uh, by the fall. And we're, we're so grateful for that as well. Well, God has done great things here at Bayside in the last 10 years. Uh, and he's continued to guide us through two tumultuous years of pandemic in which he continued to move us forward in some important ways in spite of obstacles. And now we're coming out of the pandemic and having largely accomplished what we set out to do in that, that vision statement from 2013, uh, we're asking what's next? It's time to revisit and refresh our vision from 10 years ago by asking the question, what would Bayside Chapel look like in five years if we continue to let God have his way? And we're talking five years instead of 10 years because we realized that much of what we put in the 10-year vision statement was accomplished within the first five years. And, uh, you know, things are changing so fast in our world today, we figure, you know, we better, better not look out more than five years at a time because, because of the changing world in which we live. What would Bayside Chapel look like in five years if we continue to let God get hold of us? And to that end, I've asked Pastor Ken Carlson to lead us as a church in a prayerful process of discernment. If we lay this question before the Lord, I'm confident that he will show us the way. We've seen him do it before. We can have confidence that he'll do it again. Because after all, he's the kind of God who says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. And so I've asked Ken to come right now and, and share with you how you can be involved in helping us discern where God would have us go from here. Pastor Ken. You know, Pastor Dave opened up the sermon this morning by asking the question, have you ever had a time in your life when you felt like you needed God's clear and unmistakable guidance? See, now is, is that time uh, for us, not only personally, but corporately as a church. So, so just... Entertain me for, for, with, with this. Close your eyes where you're sitting. And just imagine in your mind's eye, here we are today, February 27th, 2022, living down here in this earthly realm. We're living in a nation that's stained by a pathetic political landscape. We're on the tail end of what's been a destructive pandemic. We're witnessing the breakdown of families. We're surrounded by the noise of a godless society. We have the highest rates of depression, anxiety, and addiction that the world has ever seen. All that with nations in Europe now at war, a gross increase in child sex trafficking, and Christian persecution reaching levels of genocide. So now in your mind's eye, we rise up from this down here reality, this earthly realm, and we go up there to the heavenly realm to the mountain of the Lord's magnificent faithfulness where the view is so much better and so much clearer because it's up there on that mountain 
where we can look back over the incredible ways God has worked marvelously through so many of you faithful brothers and sisters to accomplish all that he did the past year and the past decade. And now on that great mountain of God's faithfulness, far above the noise of the world, we pivot our heads and we look forward. We look forward and we ask God, God, what would Bayside Chapel look like in five years from now if we continue to allow you to hold us, to lead us, to guide us? What are the issues going on, Lord, in our world that you might be preparing us to boldly apply the gospel to? You could open your eyes if you had them closed. See, that's, that's a question of vision, a, a, a vision that, that peers into the future. See, mission, as Pastor Dave said, mission has to do with the, why the church exists. Every, every church has the same mission. It's just a different uh, way they state the Great Commission, and that's to make disciples and glorify God. But vision, on the other hand, vision can and oftentimes does change because vision deals with the ever-changing future. It has to do with the particular way God is calling us to fulfill the mission that he's given us in this particular context, using our gifts, using our finances, using our stories, using our facilities, using our connections, our relationships, using all of our collective passions. And vision is a matter of us taking all of these things, surrendering them to God, and allowing him to piece together a church that he wants to empower to pursue those worthy Uh, those worthy, worthy goals where he can work for the benefit of the community, for the benefit of the world, all for the sake of his glory and for the sake of the gospel of Jesus. So I just want to take a few minutes then to answer some of those vision questions. Questions like where does vision come from and what would it look like to have? Uh, How how do we uh, capture this vision here at Bayside Chapel? So here's the first question. Where does vision come from? Where does vision come from? Now, back around 2009, I was serving part-time at a church uh, up in Brick, uh, part-time youth director up there. And, and uh, during that time, I went to a pastor's conference with my, uh, my then pastor. And the pastor's conference we went to, so I, I guess the theme was all about vision. And so, so everything they talked about was vision. A lot of the talk was about how, how it's necessary and vital for pastors to, to create and cast a compelling vision for their people to follow. Kind of like Moses on the mountaintop getting the, the, the Ten Commandments from God. So, and I remember hearing Proverbs 29.18 quoted several times. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. And I heard that over and over and over again. So I walk away quoting that verse and understanding the verse to mean that it's, it's the pastor's job. It's the pastor's responsibility to create and cast vision for their people. Because if the pastor doesn't cast the vision, then the people are going to they're, they're gonna wander, they're going to perish, they're going to be lost. Could that be right, though? See, something sounded a bit off about that. Not to mention the fact that I'm totally inadequate and, and ill-equipped for, for such a task as that. So upon some further inspection of that same proverb, Proverbs 29.18, I realized it actually means something quite different than how it was being used. Here's the NIV translation. It says, where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. So where there is no vision or revelation, people perish or the people cast off restraint. See, here's the thing. The word vision or the word revelation, as it's used in the NIV, this word has nothing at all to do with with our goals, with our dreams, with, with our ideas, with our desires. It has nothing to do with our vision. The word that's translated vision or revelation here 
comes from a fun-to-say Hebrew word. Ready to learn a Hebrew word? Wow, you guys seem real excited about that. So we're going to read Hebrew, you read from right to the left. You wouldn't know how to pronounce this, and trust me, I'm not that good at Hebrew. So. But this word right here is what's translated as vision or revelation. All right? I'm ready? You're going to pronounce this with me. It's chazon. Chazon. Get that spit. Just put your cover up. Yes. But chazon. Come on, let's say that one more time. Chazon. There you go. Calzone. You must be hungry. See, here's what the word means, though. The word doesn't mean some far off imaginative uh, concept where that, that, uh, that originates uh, in the mind of some great leader or some great pastor. The word actually means divine revelation. God's divine revelation. It's a word, word used to speak about revelation or vision that comes from the heart of God himself. See, that is what vision is all about. Now, in context here in Proverbs 29, 18, it's talking about when people, uh, when the people of Israel would, would ignore God's revelation that he gave to the prophets, the inspired words that make up our scripture, then chaos will ensue. A correct understanding, though, of this word uh, made all the difference for me, and it makes all the difference for us as a church. It means that, that our vision for Bayside Chapel over the next five years actually can't be our vision. It must be God's vision. It's his vision. It has to originate with him. After all, he is the one who delights in showing us the way to go. So with that understanding, when you hear the word vision, you can simply think of vision as a snapshot of a preferable future imparted by God to his church. So it's not a snapshot of our preferable future imparted by the pastors or by consultants or by society or by the government. It's a snapshot of, of a preferable future imparted by God to the church. That is all the difference. So our vision for the future needs to be born out of the heart and, and purposes of God for us in this specific region at this specific time. After all, Jesus is the one who promised to build the church. The health, the growth, the mission, the vision of the church, that's all, that's all from him. It's his job. He promised. It's a matter of trusting him to do it. It's his church. Why would we want to settle for anything less? After all, our God is the greatest visionary in existence. I mean, think about it. Every single page in our Bibles declares the, the majestic vision of God, his vision in, in creating out of nothing all of the beauty of the universe, his vision in molding humans and injecting into them elements of his own divine likeness. That's, that's vision. His vision in taking the utter destruction and chaos caused by sin and promising to work all of that out for our redemption and our eventual resurrection when we will one day revel in his glorious recreation that is so far beyond what our minds can even imagine. That's vision. You cannot escape the fact that God is the greatest visionary. He's always creating. He's always leading his people into a better future. Praise him, amen. And this is why our vision needs to come from God. So we know that our vision for the next five years needs to come from God. Now the question is, how do we discern God's vision? How do we discern God's vision for our church? Well, I love the way the beginning of 
the book of Acts unfolds. Now, the Acts starts by summarizing the final days of Jesus' earthly ministry. Um, and it kind of focuses on the day of his uh, ascension when he ascended up uh, back into heaven. So you see Jesus on the Mount of Olives with his disciples. It's been almost six weeks uh, since he uh, came back to life from, from the dead. And he's been spending those six weeks um, visiting people, teaching people, um, over hundreds of people over the, the course of those six weeks. And now he's standing on the Mount of Olives and Jesus shares some of these final words with his closest followers in Acts 1.8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus reminds them of their vital mission to spread the good news of gospel to the known world. And he assures them that the power that they need for such an incredible mission is going to come from God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. And then you remember what happens. It says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. And then when the disciples didn't know what to do, it says, after staring up in the sky for a short while, we're told that the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. See, when Jesus' earliest followers didn't know what to do, they prayed. It was, it was that simple. They prayed. Their prayers became the fuel for their mission and the means by which God continued to clarify his vision for this first church in Jerusalem. And just as God delighted in showing King David the way to go, as Pastor Dave talked about in Psalm 32 earlier, he also delighted in showing the apostles the way to go. So it follows that we can be confident knowing that God delights in showing us the way to go. So how will we at Bayside Chapel then discern God's vision for our future? How can we know the way he wants us to go? Prayer. We must be praying. Prayer is the primary tool God has given us to discern his vision for our future. There is no other way to start. So we must continue to live up to that vital core value that's so instrumental to everything we do here at Bayside Chapel. Prayer. That's one of our core values. We value prayer as an expression of our utter dependence upon God. And this is why we are charging every single one of you in this room and every single person watching online who calls Bayside Chapel home to commit to praying with us. Commit to praying with us. See, God has formed this local church. He's placed it in this region during this time in history as a means of redeeming men, women, children, and families who are far from him. So if our desire is to see God continue to transform us and our communities, we must come before him in unity. And we must surrender our ways for his will. We must surrender our wisdom to his omniscience. See, every great movement of God that has ever occurred always began with the prayers of his children. And make no mistake, prayer isn't just this preliminary step before, you know, the real work of planning and prioritizing and strategizing. Prayer is the real work. The time and discipline it takes to sit before the Lord and, and to seek his will, that's 
the real work. Asking God to reveal his plans for our future and not just our own agendas for what we think the future holds, that's the real work. Spending unhurried and undistracted time listening to the Spirit's voice and guidance, that's the real work. As followers of Christ, we have a heavenly Father who's always more ready and willing to communicate with us than we are ready and willing to listen. He's always more ready and willing to give us his power than we are to even ask for that power. But I'm convinced that if we listen to him, if we rely on him, if we surrender our own ideas and our own opinions of what the future holds, I'm convinced that God will unveil his vision for us. Why am I convinced of this? Because our God delights in showing us the way to go. So my question to you this morning is, will you commit to this? Will you commit to praying with us? Will you commit to asking God the question, what will Bayside Chapel look like in five years if we continue to let God have his way? Now, if you are willing to commit to this, if you're ready to join us for this prayer initiative, here are two things that you can do right now. First thing is, if you have your phone or tablet, take it out, open up the Bayside Chapel app. Right on the app, you'll see that first icon. It says prayer. You click that prayer icon and then uh, there's a little link that says join the Vision Prayer Initiative. Start, start by doing that. Join that Vision Prayer Initiative. And if you don't have uh, and the, the app or tablet or anything on your way out, be sure to stop at one of the information centers and one of our welcome team members will, will get you set up with that. But if you join that, this will let us know that, that we can count on you to commit to be praying with us, for us, for God's best future for this church. And by joining this prayer initiative, we'll also be able to provide you with uh, vision-specific updates as they come along, some possible opportunities for evenings of prayer and and acoustic worship. Um, I'll be sending out regular uh, prayer updates and and prayer prompts, uh, praying over various ministries and various um, aspects of, of the global church as well. Um, And especially we need to be praying for our faithful brothers and sisters uh, living throughout the nations under persecution. Now here's the second thing you can do. That's that's first thing. Here's the second thing. Commit to praying for five minutes once a day at 5.55. And notice I put the a.m. or p.m. Just commit to praying for five minutes once a day at 5.55 a.m. if you're a morning person and do your quiet time then. P.m. if you're not a morning person. Um, or if, like Laura and I are doing, I, we're going to be doing this with our, kid, with our girls at, at dinner time. And I want to invite them into the process of praying with us. Um, so, so whatever you decide, just go ahead, grab your phone, set an alarm, set a notification, whatever, for 5.55 once a day and just pray for five minutes, asking that five-year question, what will Bayside Chapel look like in five years if we continue to let God have his way? So however you decide to pray, the important thing is that we prioritize prayer as the very first step forward. We cannot accomplish what God wants to accomplish through us without his enablement. And we cannot go where God wants to lead us without his vision. Every step we take, every decision we make must be yielded to the spirit and empowered by God. So church, let's fix our eyes on God and move in step with him, knowing that he promises to instruct us, 
to teach us and to counsel us with his eye upon us. And we can do this with such joy, knowing that God's love surrounds those who trust him. As listen as David finishes this psalm, Psalm 32, verses 10 and 11, he says, many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Amen. Church, our God delights in showing us the way to go. So let's ask. So stand and join us as we do just that. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for for your incredible faithfulness to this church throughout the years, how you've worked in such marvelous ways in transforming the lives of men, women, children, entire families of this church and in this community. And Father, we come before you. We come before you humbly, acknowledging that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, we can do nothing Lord, so we repent of all those times we try living independently of you, whether individually or corporately. Lord, and here we are asking that you'd continue to do marvelous things in our midst. God, we're asking that you would continue to save and redeem the lost. We're asking that you'd continue to restore broken marriages. We're asking that you'd continue to free people from the chains of addiction. We're asking, Lord, that you would heal the brokenhearted, that you'd continue to transform us with the life-changing truth of our union with Christ, Lord. And we're asking that you'd continue to unleash us to reach our friends, our families, our communities with the life-changing truth of the gospel. And God, we ask that you would radically transform every single part of each one of us as we offer to you our bodies, our, our minds, our wills, our emotions to be used by you as instruments of righteousness. And Lord, show us the way to go. Reveal to us what this church would look like in five years if we continue to let you get a hold of us. God, thank you for allowing us to be part of your grand story of redemption. We are so privileged. We are so thank you. And we walk by faith, trusting in you to show us the way forward. We pray these things in the mighty, powerful, marvelous name of the greatest Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, amen. Remain standing.